Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. I want to, I'm going to start a message today, and all of you know that my messages are about two hours long, which means I have to break them up into about four different messages, but it's only one message. So the message I'm going to share, the message, over the next three or four weeks uh, is, is, is going to be entitled, Are We There Yet? How many of you have kids? Or husbands? And sometimes, <laughs> thank you because I didn't even have to say it. Um, <clears throat> you ever had kids, you're, you're going on a vacation and your kids are kind of sleeping through the process, and then they wake up somewhere in the middle of the process and say, are we there yet? Um, and then, uh, you know, I would always be really nice and kind of try to explain where we're at. Carla would always say, shut up and go back to sleep. We'll tell you when we're there. <laughs> How many of you believe that? <laughs> we... Um, we often get an idea of there as this destination that's going to bring complete fulfillment and happiness. If I could just get there. If I could just make it to there, then everything is going to be fine and all is going to be good. And we get a glamorous picture of there in our mind. The reality is there is always a perception, an imagination, an expectation, but it is never here, right? Because when you're here, you're in reality. When you're there, you're perceiving what you think here is going to be like when you get there. You tracking with me? Am I, going, am I confusing everybody? <clears throat> Elijah in the passage we're going to read about, Elijah comes on. The, let me read the passage, then we'll, then we'll talk about Elijah. I think, uh, because I want, I want to share some things with you today about there. It's kind of be an introduction to the series, but um, I think can be helpful. Look at 1 uh, Kings chapter 17, verse 1. <clears throat> now, Elijah, or Elijah the Tishbite from where? Tishbe in where? I, I could start doing this on all the hard words, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let you all do it. Now, Elisha the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Man, that's a pretty bold guy. And you understand even more how bold that is when you know who he's talking to. Let's get just a little teeny bit of history here leading up to this. This is Elijah. This is where we meet Elijah. We, we don't know him before now. He shows up on the scene at this moment. God had been trying to work through the kings. He worked through a king named David, and David was a man after God's own heart, and everything was, was you know, moving in the direction of God. Over time, what began to happen was the kings began to get more evil as they came along. 
So this king would be more evil, and then he would have a son, and that son would be even more evil than his dad, and then he would have a son, which was the grandson of that one, and he is more evil than his granddad or his dad. And Israel, the people of God, they're spiraling. They're spiraling in sin. They're spiraling in degradation. And suddenly, the the outlook for the people of God is bleak. So God sends a prophet in, and and he begins this process, I can't speak through my kings, I'll send in prophets to speak for me. So he sends in a prophet who begins to speak for him. Now I want you to think about something. Elijah stands up boldly proclaiming, there's not going to be any rain in this place. We view that as the judgment of God for sin. And a lot of times we look at the Old Testament, we look in the Old Testament and we think, well, that God was a mean God, that God was an angry God. And, and like Chris said last week, we like the New Testament God better because he's, he seems to be a nice guy. You know, that New Testament God is the, is the good God, that Old Testament God is the bad God. In reality, what we have here is a beautiful picture of the grace of God. If you read the Old Testament, we live under the New Covenant. You all know I've spent many, many, many hours teaching this. We do not live under the Old Covenant. We were not a part of the Old Covenant. We live under the New Covenant of which Jesus made us a part of the New Covenant. But we can learn from the Old Testament. Are you tracking with me? So it would behoove us to look in and say, okay, teach me something. I want to learn. I want to see what I can learn here. I just want you to see quickly, and this is not the message, but I want you to see that this is the grace of God at work. Because so often we look at something bad happening in this situation, a drought coming as, oh, the judgment of God because God is angry. God, he he hates sin. That's why Jesus came into this world to die for sin so the sin is gone for us, for those who believe. Are you tracking with me? But a picture of grace is God seeing us going down the drain and doing something to stop it. Are you tracking with me? God stopping the rain, God sending a prophet that had the boldness to say, stop rain, was the grace of God in action to say, I love you more than I want to watch you go down a drain and see my people destroyed. I will do what I need to do to, to reroute you. When, we are, when you set your GPS and you're going a certain way and you know where you're planning to go to and you're heading that direction, have there ever been moments that you have detoured and or gone off in a certain different place, and whatever her name is, start saying what? Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. God will reroute when he sees the path that we're headed is not the path and the plan that he has for our life, that blessed life, that abundant life. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. It's an abundant life. And when God sees us on a trajectory heading in a way that's going to keep us from reaching that he will continually reroute us and we see God rerouting with a drought and so Elijah steps on the scene and Elijah begins to proclaim here's what's going to happen now read with me in verse uh, two then the word and I want you to count how many times we see the word there 
Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook that I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. Oh, notice the word supply you with food where? There. There. So he did what the Lord told him, and he went to Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan, and he stayed where? There. The ravens brought him food and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath and re- in the region of Sidon and stay where? There. I have directed a widow there. I have directed a widow where? There to supply you with God. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was where? There, gathering sticks. He called and asked her, would you bring me a little water and a jar so you didn't have to drink? And, and this is going to be next week because I'm not going to talk about all this today. But anyway, she's going to get it. He called, bring me a piece, a piece of bread. Now stop right there. And I want you to read on. Stop right there. How many times did we see there? And in every there, what did we see? The provision of God. Didn't you see the provision of God in every there? Now, the good thing is that we have the benefit of being able to see Elijah's life from the moment he steps onto the scene until we see him flying out in a fiery chariot to be with the Lord. Elijah didn't get that. Elijah was just like us. He lived day by day, moment by moment. He didn't get to see his entire life fulfilled. He didn't get to see the things that were coming next week, next year, down the road. He just lived day by day. We get the privilege of seeing him come on the scene and leave the scene, and we can be encouraged by what we see going on in this situation. But you live your life out just like Elijah lived his life out, day by day, not being able to see what around the curve what's in your tomorrow what's in your next week what's down the road why is this happening to me what's going to happen in this situation how is this going to turn out we don't get to see those things neither did Elijah so I want us to learn a little bit about what actually being there means look at number one number one there is not a destination, but is a place of preparation. When your kids say, are we there yet? They're thinking in their mind, destination. Are we at the beach yet? Are we at Disney yet? Are we in Pigeon Forge at Dollywood Yet they're thinking destination because in their mind, this destination, they've already dreamed up that this destination is going to be the greatest thing. It's going to be completely fulfilling. It's going to be, it's going to make them happy. It's going to be everything they've needed only to find out sometimes that the destination is not quite what we thought it was going to be. God takes us to theirs to prepare us for the next there. Are you tracking with me? We move from there to there to there. Elijah speaks to the prophet. God says, go there. I'm going to feed you there. He goes there, and he's fed, and he finds water. It dries up, and God says, go there. I'm going to have somebody to feed you 
there. So in every place, God's already offered his provision. In any one of those moments, had Elijah tried to set up camp thinking that his there was his final destination, he would have never made it to where God wanted him to be, fulfilled the purpose that God had for his life, experienced the beautiful plan that God wanted to unfold in him. We have to know that there is just places of preparation not destination. Elijah speaks a word, and he says it's not going to rain. Right? I'm not sure how far down the road Elijah thought. Did he realize that when he said it's not going to rain, that he's actually living there in the place that he said would have no rain? Are you tracking with me? Elijah says, it's not going to rain. Feeling bold. I mean, he's just right up in Ahab's face, Jezebel's husband. And he's right up in his face. It's not going to rain. And then when he turns around and walks away, did it just, did it dawn on him that, man, I just said it wasn't going to rain, but now what am I going to do? Because I'm living here where it's not going to rain. God had all that planned out already, didn't he? Because we see him speak to him and tell him what he needs to do. But here's what I want you to know. With the blessing of God and with the idea of the theirs comes responsibility. With every new there, there is responsibility that we have to learn before we get to the new. Every there is a place of teaching. Every there is a school of learning. Every there is a place of growing. Every there is a place where God is going to equip us for the next there. Because there is not a destination. It's just little stops on the way to the big journey of becoming more and more like Jesus every day of our life and fulfilling the purpose that God's called us to fulfill. And so it's, it's little stops on the journey. And sometimes we get this perception in our mind, and, and it's all it is, right? It's a perception. It's an imagination of what there is going to be. And so we imagine it to be better than it really is. We imagine it to be completely fulfilling, all fulfilling, that this is what's going to make us happy when I get there. And so suddenly, we get there. Parents, let me talk to the young people here. And by young people, I mean anybody 100 years <laughs> under. Do you remember when you were um, pre-16 and, and you could not wait until you got your driver's license? I mean, do you remember being pre-teenager, thinking that, man, when I get to be a teenager, I'm going to be big. I'm going to be a big person. I mean, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to, when I get to be a teenager, I'm just 12 and a half. You ever notice that those ages, you always give the halves and the three quarters and all that kind of stuff. And then when you get older, you kind of back way off of that. And you even knock off a couple years, not just halves, but knock off a couple years. And so here you are, if I ever get to be a teenager, and then you get to be a teenager and you realize, man, with, with becoming a teenager brings some, some responsibility that I didn't have before, or it should. And then when I get my driver's I, I just if I can get my driver's license, I'll be happy. I, I'll, I'll just be happy, I'll be fulfilled. If I can just get my driver's license and you get your driver's license, and then you realize that being, being able to drive is not all fulfilling. 
And it doesn't make you completely happy, but it does bring on responsibility. Are you tracking with me? In every there, we have to learn responsibility before we get to the next there. And a lot of people never get to the next there because they never learn the responsibility in the here, there, they're in here. (laughs) That made me dizzy. You know what I'm talking about? See, before you were riding in a car, before you got your driver's license, you were riding in a car with your mom, and you were sitting there, and you were doing Facebook, and you were texting, and you were messaging, and you were doing all this stuff. You're sitting in the passenger seat, but there's a big difference from moving from the passenger seat to the, to the driver's seat, because when you're over here, it's different, but when you get there where you've been looking forward to getting, it's a whole different story, and the responsibility is so much greater, because when you are sitting in the driver's seat driving a car you now have the you have a a several ton weapon in your hands that can either destroy somebody's life as well as your own or it can be a benefit to help you get where you need to go and and in this there You've got to learn the responsibility of that because when you're texting and driving, you could do that over there. In that there, you could do that. But in this there, which is now here, you can't do that because you'll kill somebody. Is anybody tracking with me? You ever get behind a car and you're watching, you know what's going on. Slow down to 20, up to 90. Down to 30, up to 70, left lane, right lane, off the road, into the guardrail, into this guardrail. All the cars and everybody's just kind of like backing off because no, nobody wants to get around them because you know what's going on. I saw a picture the other day of a, a car of a young person driving and texting that did not see the truck in front of them and ran up under a truck. Uh, just destroying everybody in the car. Why? See, somebody didn't realize that when they get there, they've got to learn responsibility or they won't get to the next there. Are you with me? It's good preaching. Am I going to have to come down there and amen myself or are y'all going to do it for me? Thank you. If I could just graduate high school, I'll be there. How many of you have done that? How many of you thought, if I could just get out of high school? Went to my nephew's graduation yesterday. And uh, um, yesterday, was yesterday? No, it was Friday. And, uh, man, he, he had like all these little, you know, all those little, like a star and a number sign and all these different and asterisks and all these little different things beside of his name because he was like an exceptional honors kind of a graduate. And I told him how proud I was of him. I said, because when I graduated, they had a section in the thing that said barely made it, and that's where my name was. <laughs> it's, but see, in my mind at that time, barely made it and made it, we all sat together. <laughs> you worked a whole lot harder in school than I did, and we're sitting here together. But here's the problem. I didn't realize that His there was going to be different than my there because I didn't learn responsibility when I was here in this there. Right? 
Because there's a big difference in getting a degree and getting an education. Woo, that's good preaching, brother. Woo, I feel that. You know what I'm talking about. Big difference. And so in this, if, if I think in my there, I just got to get a degree, it's going to be a problem because somewhere along the line for me to get to where I need to be, I've got to pass this test to learn that I am in this life to learn. I have to learn, not just get stuff. I've got to learn. And I'm going to keep going through this wilderness and circles, circle, circle, in the wilderness for 40 years, if I must, before I finally learn that there's a purpose in the theirs. And if I don't understand and learn that purpose, I will stay in this here, there for a long, long time until I learn. If I just graduate. And then I got to go to college. If I can graduate college, I'll be happy. Didn't bring fulfillment. If I can just get married, oh, if I just could find me a man or a woman, if I just get married, I will be so fulfilled and so happy. I wonder how that myth still continues to float around in the heads of young people when they watch their parents. I'm going to tell you, I'm a happily married man. But I'm not going to tell you that it hadn't been some rough roads in 37, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 years. You say I'm all, you, that way you make sure you got it. In 40, 39, 38, 37, 36, I'm sure I hit in one of those. There, there's some rough times. But let me see, here's what, here's what I know. If you go into thinking that that marriage, that finding a mate is going to bring you fulfillment and happiness, what I am telling you is that that there is not going to make you happy. What's going to happen is, is you're going to experience challenges that are going to pull out of you the opportunity to show greater maturity and responsibility than you would have had before you got married with every there comes an opportunity for greater responsibility and if you don't learn the responsibility here 12 marriages down the road you're still trying to figure out what is wrong with these women in this world 12 of them and I can't find a good one never looking in the mirror to realize maybe when you got there you didn't realize that you had to learn some responsibility Responsibility if you're going to get to your next there. I'm telling you. That guy's strong. We want to have a baby. Nobody tells you when you have a baby that it's going to cost you $5 million to raise one child. See, I'm a, I'm, a million, I'm a millionaire many times over. If you look at my bank account, you would doubt it. Look at my kids. Don't look at my bank account. My three children who have grown up, probably three million in each of them. And I count them as assets. You know what I'm saying? If you look at my ledger, you want to look at my bottom line, you want to see what I'm worth, 
Nikki Hayes. I'm trying to remember their new last names. <laughs> Nikki Hayes, Kayla Stroud, and Joshua Beverly. Three million, three million, three million. I'm worth at least six million dollars. Anybody tracking with me? See, when you have a baby, you're thinking, when you have a baby, when you have a baby, when you have a baby, you're thinking, okay, um, how many of you have ever said, uh, we're going to have a baby when we can afford to have a baby? You're never going to get there. Help me. You're never going to get there. Because you can't afford, nobody can afford to have a baby. We couldn't afford to have it. We had to pray, and I, I literally, I'm telling you, we had to pray in milk for our kids at times when our refrigerator was, was empty and we had no food at all and we had to pray. And I can remember one day we're sitting down at the table, what are we going to do? We prayed together. Well, we didn't realize that God was already answering the prayers. We had Nikki, she was just a little baby at the time and, and we didn't know God had answered our prayer before we prayed it because we had no more got through praying than there was a knock at the door and a guy from the church said, God told me me to give you this and put a hundred dollar bill in my hands see God will help you raise them you just gotta commit to get to get in get 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 in here and how in the world I, I'm telling you there's a lot what I'm telling you is what I think that we miss that we miss in America today when we're in a place where we can create our own image on social media that has nothing to do with our real image. It is an image created as we look at what we wish we were or we would like to be. And then on social media, we create an image of what we wish we were or what we would like to be that looks nothing like who we really are because we don't want to have to go through the difficulties and the trials and the pains and the theirs to really become someone when it's so much easier to create a profile that looks like what I want to look like and I don't have to put the pain into it until life starts to happen and then we realize this fake image that we have built cannot get you through the trials and the difficulties that you have to face in life fake images can't get you there fake character fake integrity can't get you there it takes the real thing and the real thing is built in process. It's built in process. I don't care what you put on your page. I don't care what Instagram says. It's a process. And God has to take us from this there to that there to that there so that we learn to trust Him in those there moments and what He wants to do in our life in those there moments to take us to the place Becoming who he wants us to be, fulfilling his purpose in our life. Does that make sense? Yes. <clears throat> Diapers. Anybody ever? Did anybody ever overestimate how many diapers you would use <laughs> with a child? Anybody? How can a how can a baby that's not even eaten steak yet poop that much? How? <laughs> Is anybody with me on that? Yeah. All that's going in is milk. Yeah. How? 47 times a day. How? 
I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I just, there's a lot of things I don't understand. But here's what I know. It's this there of dealing with all those divers that's going to help me in the next there. Because I think if I can just, mama help me, if I could just get them out of these diapers, if I could just sleep all night, one night, not have to change diapers, if we can just get them out of that, if we could just get them potty trained. And you get into the terrible twos. And you think, oh, Lord, if we can make it out of these terrible... Because it's there. You keep thinking there. If we just get there. Is anybody getting what I'm... Are, are you smelling what I'm cooking? Anybody? Bacon. So, so, so every step, every step we think is there is going to be a completion, is going to be bliss. But every there is only there to teach us dependence on God. He's our source. He's our power. He's our friend. He's our father. He's our lover. It's him first. And if you have to sit beside a brook by yourself for months, God said, I'm going to, you go down to the brook, I'm going to, you're going to drink from the brook, and I'm going to send ravens to feed you. I don't know, but I wonder if Elijah may have thought Ravens was a local restaurant <laughs> that was going to cater two meals a day until, a, until literal birds come flying in with food. But he's learning. If we could just get there. You know, when, you, when you're a startup church, oh, man, if I could just get there, there to where I could preach an hour. See, here's the problem with theirs. And I'm going to say this, and let me shut her down because I got to. Here's the problem with theirs when we, when we put too much into them. They, they're very often not as exciting as we thought they would be because of the responsibility that comes. When we traveled around um, as you know, when we were traveling around as a church, and many of you don't know this, but we traveled around and rented facilities for years. And uh, our motto was "Worship with us if you can find us." I mean, we didn't, you know, we didn't know where we were going. So uh, here we go. We're you know, like moving the tent down the road, and there, there they go. It's the circus. No, that's Harvest Community Church, I think, right there. And so we we thought if we could ever just get our own building, we would be there. We just get our own building, we'd be there. And so we, we found this building, which was just a hole. I mean, it was just like a, just a hole. It was just a bunch of block with hole with a hole. And you could just see the sky, which means you could see the rain. It was just that. It was not this. And so we, we rented ra the second floor of Rascals, and we, had our, we did our worship in the second floor of Rascals, and we were, while this was being fixed, but here's the thing. When we were there, we thought if we could get here, there, then everything would be great. But we got here, there, there, here. Therefore, we got here. Um, 
How many of you know that when you move into a building that you're not renting, maintenance falls on you? Man, honey, I'd be so fulfilled if we just had a bigger house. Okay, I got that with you, but let me just tell you. Bigger house comes more maintenance. Bigger house comes higher electric bills. Bigger house comes more insurance. Now, there's nothing wrong with a bigger house, but when you go into it, you need to know before you leave this there, you better be ready for that there. There. Right? I want my own car. I want my own car. Are you sure you want your own car? You don't want to drive my car anymore? I want my own car. Okay, here's what happens. You get your own car, you get your own car payment. You put your own gas in your own car. You pay for your own insurance. When you wreck your own car, you fix your own car. Do you want your own car? Dad, I'm happy with using yours. We dream of having more and more people come. But here's what I want you to know, the preparation part. In, until we learn to, to in, invest in five, preparing them for their walk with God, we don't need 500. Are you tracking with me? Because it's not about numbers, it's about lives that are changed. And so then you get more people, but guess what? You get more people, and here's the problem. Until you, in this there, figure out that more people means more problems because in empty churches where there are no people, there are no problems. But the more people you have, the more potential problems there are. But there's potential blessing. Is anybody tracking with me? But, but I can't go into that there from a, from a church of 50 into a church of 500 thinking that it's all going to be wonderful because there are changes in there. See, in a church of 50, I can know everybody. I can do all your funeral. I don't, well, maybe I, that was a bad place to go, wasn't it? I can do, don't go there. I can do the weddings. I'll know everybody. I know all your kids' names. Um, when I go from 50, if I, if, if, when I get here, God's got to teach me something because if I go from this there to that there, I've got to be able to be settled at the fact that I'm not going to be able to know everybody. Some people are going to get mad because I don't know them. I'm not going to be able to give everybody the attention that they want to get from me. I've got to be able to be satisfied in who I am. I've got to find my security and my identity in the Lord while I'm here in this here there because when I get to that there there, when I get there, if I'm not, guess what's going to happen? It's going to destroy me. But in the process of that, your there is learning as well as my there. Because if you're going to be in that same place, your there has to say, we got to be satisfied that we may never have a personal relationship with Bud. We may never even talk to the man because we're in, you're in a church that has more people and more and more people, then that's just the way it is. Then you have to decide, what am I going to get out of that? Am I satisfied just to be able to get the gift and the anointing that God has put in him and, and that he's going to deliver on Sunday morning? Or do I have to have a personal relationship with him? Do I have to be able to talk to him about all my problems? If that's going to be the case, then you're never 
ever going to make it to that there. You'll have to go find another there because this there is moving to a different place. When we moved into this building, oh, we finally made it until we realized that as more people came, we don't have a place to put kids. Oh, but Lord, we'll, we will be there if we can just get that rascal's building. And so we got that rascal's building. But guess what? With that rascal's building becomes more maintenance and higher electric bills and more needs and more provision. So now we got this building and that building. And then another building came open. But what do we do? But we need to get there, that there building. So we got that there building, which brings more maintenance. Do you see what I'm saying? In every place of there, if I can just get there... Do not ever go into a there without learning that there is a responsibility that you have to learn in this here there before you can get to that there there. I'm not going to go to number. I'm not going to go to number two. I'm going to let you read it. Put number two up. Let's let them read it, and then we're going to. There is a place of transition, not a place to live. Transition. Some of you are trying to, that reason you're miserable, because you're trying to live in, in there. You're not real, you haven't realized that it's a transition. And it made you happy for a while, but it's not making you happy anymore. It's because God's going to move you from there to here. But sometimes he has to dry up the brook. Sometimes he has to dry up everything that's making you comfortable in this here there. Because he knows he's got to get you to that there there. Some of you are experiencing a dried up brook and you think God's mad at you. You think he's angry. You think he's mean. It's his grace. Because what he's saying to you is I've got more and more and more and more and better and better and better for you. But if you set up camp right here, if I let you set up camp and let you sit here with the ravens feeding you and drinking from the brook for the rest of your life, you're never going to experience the great miracles and the power of my working through your life and my purpose in your life. So I've got to dry up this brook so that I can get you up and get you moving again into the place that I want you to be. Yeah. Say, I'm in transition. Somebody looks at you and said, man, things are looking bad for your life. No, I'm just in transition. Bet you're being fed by ravens. No, I'm in transition, man. I mean, you're sitting here drinking in a brook all by yourself. I'm just in transition. It may look bad, but I'm in transition. It's all cool. It's all good. God's got me because I'm just in transition. Let's stand. Lord, we give you praise today that we are in transition as we follow you, walk with you, and become all that you have called us to be, fulfilling the purpose that you have given us and experiencing the beauty of a life yielded to the plan of God. We give you praise today. And for those here that may not have chosen you yet, may this be the day that they say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, save me. And I trust you in that now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.